got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Alright? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Is that how Derek does it? Is that how he introduces the show? I'm uh, I'm not sure, but uh, this is not Derek Johnson, but this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 1320 KLWN. Uh, this is actually Lane Gillespie, and I am also joined by Cole Cedabutar. So not quite a solo show, but uh, first time that I'm kind of running this gig, and this is my third week on the job. So, yeah. Um, so basically, with Derek, who is in Germany, by the way, living the best life while we have to suffer this heat in Kansas, um, basically the whole rundown over the next couple of weeks, he left me with a ton of audio, the good gentleman that he is. So over the next couple of weeks, we'll have a best of RCST trivia marathon type sort. Uh, we'll probably have the majority of those matchups this week as, you know, it was a 64 person bracket. So a lot of the matchups um, come in the early portions of the tournament. So we're going to have eight matchups today uh, for the best of RCST trivia. The first one will be in about 20 minutes time. Uh, we also got case of the Mondays at the top of the four o'clock hour. The top of the 5 o'clock hour, got a top 10. And what Derek left for us today is the top 10 moments of doubt for Kansas basketball in 21 and 22. Of course, it's the uh, season that ended in a national title, thank goodness. But, uh, you know, there were some moments of doubt in there, and apparently Derek found enough for there to be 10. So that's what we have to look out for. First things first, the NBA draft is this week. It's on Thursday. And there are four Jayhawks who are in the running to be in the NBA draft. However, there are two that are actually projected to be drafted, that being Christian Brown and Ochai Abaji. But the other two, there could be a bit of a surprise in there. You know, you never know. Uh, that being Remy Martin and David McCormick. So we're going to do an individual draft profile over the next four days. And uh, today, we got the guy who spent the least amount of time out of the four, that being Remy Martin. Uh, he had a tremendous career at Arizona State, which we'll dive a little bit more into in a sec, but uh, came to KU, was only here for one year, a bit of an up and down year, but finished off in the strongest note that you possibly could have uh, being at KU for one year. Uh, he started off at Arizona State, had a phenomenal four-year career, which included two upset wins against KU. Uh, in 2018, that was one of them. That was the a uh, win by Arizona State at Allen House. It was the year that KU actually made the Final Four, and that was one of, I think it was three losses at Allen Fieldhouse, which is a feat in and of itself because I think that was the first time in 30 years that that had happened, uh, was three losses in a single season at Allen Fieldhouse. Arizona State was one of them. Remy Martin, coming off the bench, had 21 points in that game at Allen Fieldhouse, and that year he's named the Pac-12 Sixth Man of the Year. Finished off with uh, nine points a game. Not bad for a sixth man. Career best 37% three-point shooter, I may add. But that also was before they extended the three-point line to the now international range that they have. Just before uh, just before uh, that season, 
that they extended it in 2018. Uh, fall of 2018 is when they extended it, and before that, it was just a little bit shorter, of course. Uh, 2019, his sophomore year at Arizona State, All-Pac-12 second-team honoree, but he did struggle with injuries here and there, but it's pretty impressive to struggle with injuries and still be an All-Pac-12 honoree. He did average just over 12 points a game, still made his mark in the best way possible for the Sun Devils. 2020, the year where he had an amazing year, but of course, no postseason because I was cut short due to COVID. Uh, first all Pac-12 first team honoree for him. He finished off with two, but he averaged 19 points a game, something that you really don't see that often. Or I, I mean, I guess you see it, but you don't see it a lot, I guess is what I should say. Uh, Remy Martin had a absolutely phenomenal year. He declared for the NBA draft after that, but decided to return to Arizona state for his senior year. Now, before his senior year started, the NCAA came out and said, Hey, because of COVID, you know, that, that kind of influenced a lot of people. Uh, we're going to grant you one more year of eligibility. And that happened for everybody. See it. You saw it with KU with uh, with Mitch Lightfoot. It felt like he was there forever in a day. I know you're laughing, Cole. You know, he was he was there forever. It felt like he's been playing since I was still in high school. I have you know no idea. The, you know what the weird thing is? He started off when I was, I, I'm young, just for just for clarification. He started off when I was a junior in high school. I just graduated from KU. So basically went from junior to high school to senior year of college, which is absolutely nuts. But back to Remy Martin. Uh, 2020 to 21 season, another All-Pac-12 first team honoree. Amazing, amazing career for Remy. And again, averaged just above 19 points a game, which was the best in the Pac-12 that year. The year before, he finished in second in the Pac-12. That that year, he led the Pac-12. Um, absolutely incredible shooter with every facet. Uh, he declared for the NBA draft, but he decided if he were to return, he would not go to Arizona State. In fact, he would transfer. And he chose that if he were to, it's a lot like what we saw with Kevin McCuller. Should he opt out of going to the draft, he would transfer and play at KU. He eventually decommitted from the draft and decided to play at KU for his final year of eligibility that was granted by the COVID, uh, the COVID year. So looking at his loan season, let's go ahead and uh, take a deep dive. Loan season at KU. I don't know if a lot of people anticipated him being the preseason Big 12 player of the year. I don't know how many people actually anticipated that. I wasn't one of them. I'm, I'm just going to put that out there. I was not one of those people that thought he was going to be the preseason Big 12 player. I thought he'd make a mark. I didn't think it'd be that much, though. But he did He did start off really well, though. He he had a great non-conference play to start to start off the season. Averaged just shy of 11 points a game. I'm sure a lot of people thought that he was going to be, you know, the number one guy coming in, a guy that has tremendous experience and already a big time track record going into the year, but about 11 points a game, just under it. It's not a bad start. You know, a guy that you uh, started off the majority of the games. I think he came off the bench in a couple of scenarios, but a decent, pretty decent start to the season. But he suffered a knee injury December 29th against Nevada, and that really kept him sidelined for a bit, and when he played, he was not the same as before, and I think it was very, very easy to tell. His scoring was just awful for the rest of the regular season. Uh, after the Nevada game, he did not have a single double-digit double game, double-digit point game until the postseason. 
which dropped his scoring average from 10.7 points a game to 7.1. And he played in 10 games after that Nevada game for the rest of the regular season. Not, I'm, not, I'm not including the postseason. That's the regular season. So there was kind of this question of, you know, KU, KU was already a very talented team. You know, you had Ochai Baji, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris was making his strides. David McCormick was an absolute monster in the paint. But, you know, you, you still need extra pieces to the puzzle if you can. And was Remy Martin going to be that guy? Well, they didn't know. Until, I would say, probably until the Big 12 championship. 10 points in the Big 12 semifinal against TCU and 12 in the Big 12 championship against Texas Tech. And then it just went up from there in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament. Bill Self said, hey, he was waiting for March, and boy, did he. He waited until March and had an incredible final nine games, the nine games in the postseason. Scored double figures in six of those games out of the nine postseason games, including two games where he scored at least 20. His season high was against Providence, where he scored 23 points. Uh, and it was as high as the KU, of course, with that being his lone year. Uh, and then the national championship, he, he finished with 14, but I, I would say that he had one of the biggest impacts in that game, given that he hit a team best four for six from behind the arc. And man, there were such tough shots. Incredibly and I mean, I mean, if you think back at the, the step back three that he hit from the right wing over Armando Baycott with about three minutes left, I'm sorry, David. I, I got to say that that was probably the shot of the, of the tournament. <laughs> that was probably it. Um, shot of the year for KU. And I, I, David made a lot of great shots at the end of the game. I think that step back three really showed how good Remy Martin can be, how great of a shooter he can be. So he finished a national champion, which was his ultimate goal coming to KU. He was already decorated at Arizona State, went to KU because he wanted to win a national title. Well, I, I, I'm not saying that that was the only reason. And it's, and it's not like he wasn't going to win one at Arizona State, but it was one of the reasons. He wanted to come to KU, and he wanted to win a national title, which he did. So he finished with about eight and a half points a game, three rebounds a game, pretty good for a guy that's six feet tall, um, in shoes, by the way. Uh, field goal percentage, about 46%, which isn't bad. Three-point percentage, 38%. Not great, but still pretty decent. 75% free throw shooting. So those were the stats uh, given by him. But, of course, he was... It was still interesting, and obviously in hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's weird to think about in hindsight how he was named the preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year, and he was, and he ended up being a sixth man in a national title team. Um, and here's here's a little fun piece of trivia. Uh, especially we're gonna have the best of RCST trivia marathon later on. This is a good piece of trivia. That was the second time ever. This year was the second time ever that the Big 12 Player of the Year and the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year are different players from the same team. The only other time was at KU, and that was at 1997. Jacques Vaughn was the preseason Player of the Year. The honoree for Big 12 Player of the Year was Rafe LaFrance. So that's, honestly, I say that's pretty cool that that's only happened twice in the Big 12 since, it's, since it began in 1996. And the only two times are at KU. Pretty cool stat. Anyway, um, looking at Remy Martin's NBA scouting report, uh, currently they have him out of the top 100 prospects as 96th. 
which is projecting his draft to be late second round to undrafted, uh, which is which is quite possible. Um, his summary. Uh, let, let's go ahead and read the summary word by word. This is by uh, this is a scouting report written by Alan Liu on NBAScoutingLive.com. Wanted to give him credit real quick, just because I'm not I'm not stealing his stuff. I'm just basically reading reading it <laughs> anyway. Um, and he and he's correct in saying this. Uh, he says Remy Martin is an athletic, skilled playmaker that can score the basketball in a variety of ways. He can score on strong drives to the hoop, and he can also knock down spot up threes to space the floor for his team. On the downside. He can struggle to consistently make his outside shots, and his lack of size can make it difficult for him to effectively guard taller players. Right now, he projects to be a borderline second-round candidate for the 2022 draft. I think that that might be the biggest thing is he is undersized. He's only six feet tall with shoes on. Um, heck, I'm taller than him. Maybe. I'm like six foot one, I think. Um but that that's going to be a downside cuz a lot of the uh, a lot of the point guards you see nowadays are 6364 it's a different era from yeah. the 90s when you Correct. could be a 6 foot tall point guard exactly it, it, and yeah there were like some ridiculously undersized players that really excelled spud webb being one of them you can also argue that earl boykins and uh nate robinson did as well mugsy bogues mugsy bogues yeah mugsy bogues um but you said it right, Cole. This is the era where, you know, if you're six feet tall, I don't know how far you're going to make it. Now, here are the pros and cons listed. His pros list him as a solid shooter, decent scorer off the dribble, a decent playmaker, an adequate rebounder for his size, a decent defender, and an above-average athlete. His cons, inconsistent shooter, can struggle to score in traffic. Uh, I would I would say that that's probably incorrect given the good layups that he had in the national championship uh he can be prone to hoisting up questionable shots that is true uh struggles to guard taller players because he's only six feet tall not an elite athlete he's above average but not elite and he is undersized at the point guard spot like we just mentioned so that's uh that's the draft profile that we have on remy martin uh, again nba draft is this thursday um we're gonna for the rest of the week we're also going to cover the other four that being david mccormick christian brown and ochai abaji we'll give them their individual NBA draft uh, profiles as we go along later on in the week. Um, so yeah, um, Remy Martin, like I said, late second round to undrafted, kind of like a Devon Dotson, wouldn't you say? Pretty similar. I have a question for you. I okay, want, I want your opinion on this. Okay, he was the lead scorer at a. Fairly good Arizona State team. Correct. Not excellent, um, but uh, a good enough Arizona State team. Did he make a mistake? Did he cost himself millions of dollars by hopping over to a team where there were better scorers already present? You know, uh, that's been in my thought process. Personally, I I don't know, man. Um, I mean, if you, if you look at it at the regular season standpoint, probably. But factor in what he did in the postseason— I think that experience does ultimately help him a little bit. Now, it, it this this basically just goes off whether or not that he could make an impact immediately in the NBA should he be drafted or become an undrafted free agent, make it in the summer league, and then make an NBA roster in October. Um, it's not necessarily likely. It's possible, but it's not necessarily likely. Of course, time will tell. Um, and, you know, he'll get training and he'll get um, some opinions from scouts, from professional scouts and such. Um, I don't think so. 
just because the experience alone, the mental, a championship mentality, and how and how much that he, you know, brought it along, and how much he helped KU win a national title, I think that will help. Now the scoring abilities, yeah, they're a bit hit and miss. Uh, you know, he went from 19 points a game to eight and a half in the span of a season. That's mainly because I, I will say a lot of it was because of his injury. Um, you know, he had to sit out a while, and he um, he didn't fully recover until the middle of March. Is that that's just the thing, but. I do see your point, how it could have been an issue. Um, but that's just given stats alone. I'm pretty sure there are other intangibles that he does list along the way. This is Lane. That's Cole. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. After this break, we'll have part one of the best of RCST Trivia Marathon. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com we have a program called hometown deals so you click the tab and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50 percent off we have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50 percent off gift card too so just go to the website click hometown deals and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50 percent off if you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost Shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. It's that day again. Beginning of the week. After, you know, weekends always feel like they go by way too quickly. Again, not Derek Johnson. He's uh, living his uh, happy life in uh, Germany right now for the next couple of weeks. This is Lane Gillespie with Cole Butar. Going to give you the case of the Mondays. So, as I cue the music, Cole, are you having a case of the Mondays? I am having an enormous case of the Mondays, oh, man. Yeah? I didn't even realize on Sunday that Saturday had passed. It was ridiculous. <laughs> All right. First things first. Fans of... Fine of close finals games are having a case of the Mondays. The NBA finals were they just wrapped up last Thursday. And you may have heard Derek and I talk about it on uh, Friday's edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, all of the games were determined by double figures. The average margin of victory was just over 13 points per game for the winner of the six games. Well, in the Stanley Cup finals, yeah, the first game went to overtime and the Avalanche won uh, I think it was 2-1 to one in overtime, something like that, over yep. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, in Game 2, they defeated Tampa Bay 7 to nothing. I'm sure Sam Speck would love that, him being an Avalanche fan and all. Or, uh, right, I forgot yeah. he's from Colorado. Exactly. So, so yeah, the uh, first case of the Mondays, fans of close finals games. Next, ESPN's budget. Okay, not really, because they're practically swimming in money, a la Scrooge McDuck. Um, which, by the way, would be would be very painful trying to swim in a bunch of coins. Anyway, uh, already in the College World Series, uh, two ESPN cameras have been damaged so far. 
That's why they have the mouse back in them, right? Right. So he can, uh, <laughs> so Mickey can pay to replace those. <laughs> That's true. Uh, on Saturday, the Stanford versus Arkansas game, ball was fouled back in something they have. I don't know if you've uh, seen this, Cole. They and they have a stream for this. It's called the Ump Camp. It is the home plate umpire literally has a tiny camera on his head. He's got like a GoPro. Yes. Okay. It's yeah, something like that, except higher quality because it's ESPN. But yeah, and then they 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 have a separate stream for the ump cam, and sometimes the ESPN stream will show the ump cam from time to time just to see. This is basically the umpire's point of view. Well, that got damaged on Saturday, and they had to get a new one. Sunday, Texas versus Texas A and M game. I saw this one live. A ball was fouled back and nailed the big camera that was right behind home plate, which cracked the glass that's in front of the lens. Now, every camera that you'll ever see, like you'll even see it on your phone, there's a piece of glass in front of the lens. Well, that's to protect the lens and protect the camera. Technically, the camera's not broken if that if there's like no glass in front of it, but you kind of need that. It's kind of precious cargo, I guess you should say, when it comes to a camera. And those cameras are expensive, very expensive. The big ESPN cameras you'll see at every game. So ESPN's budget... Not really. Next, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Nets and Kyrie Irving. He's you know, had a lot of controversy for a while. Um, the Nets and Kyrie Irving are now at an impasse in contract talks, which could possibly lead Kyrie to get traded. Lane Gillespie, are you telling me that Kyrie Irving is running himself out of town again? I am shocked. I am positively stunned in this development. <laughs> and by the way, it's a hard G, not a soft G in my last name. I don't know if you knew that. Gillespie? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> a lot of you're, You'd be surprised at how many people say my name wrong, uh, my last name. You would uh, not be surprised at how many people pronounce my right. last name wrong. You've been great, though. I apologize. This is not normally the Thank direction... You mispronunciation goes for me. Well, I will say, before I heard Derek say your last name about a week ago, I had no idea how to say your last <laughs> name. I know in your Twitter bio or something like that, you say like Cida Butter or something like that. Yes, that is how so many I like, people... I was thinking it's probably like Cida Butter or something like that. Many people have mispronounced my name like that over the years in, to the point where it became my nickname, <laughs> so that's why. But anyway, uh, Nets and Kyrie Irving could possibly get traded. Therefore, the hopes of a super team of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant that might be Dunzo. Bye-bye. The Nets are probably not going to get another ring anymore. The possible suitors for Kyrie Irving. The New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers. And if Kyrie gets traded to the Lakers, the Kyrie and LeBron duo would return. And also, let's say they trade Kyrie Irving for Russell Westbrook. The, West the Westbrook and KD duo would return in Brooklyn. I, I, I think that Russell Westbrook would look uh, great in the gray and black sort of aesthetic they have going down there. Here's, here's the other thing. Kyrie does have one year left on his contract. He's making $36 million. What In what universe are you making $36 million a year and complaining about it? The players' union is going to get slaughtered in the next negotiation Probably. because of stuff like this. That's what I'm telling you. I guess who else but Kyrie? That's just what I'm thinking. Uh, next up, case of the Mondays, Texas Longhorns fans. A lot of KU fans are pumping their fists right now, saying horns down in your in your cars if you're listening or if you're streaming this at home. Uh, the Texas Longhorns in college baseball, in preseason, they were the preseason number one team in the country, were the favorites to win it all. 
they really fell apart. They were unranked for quite a bit of time, and then they found their stride uh, once again later in the season. When the College World Series began, they were the favorites to win it all once again. But with it being a double elimination bracket in the College World Series, they finished 0-2 in the College World Series. They lost 7-3 against Notre Dame on Friday, and then last night they lost against their rival, Texas A&M, 10-2. So not only is their season over, because, yeah, you could say it's a case of the Mondays just for them being their season over. No, no. They have to watch their rivals, Texas A&M, and now Oklahoma, their biggest rival, continue on and be on this happy path uh, continuing on the College World Series. When you have one of the best players in college baseball on your team, this is not the kind of result that no. you want. Ivan Melendez, the man that they call the Hispanic Titanic, led the country in home runs, second in RBIs, had one of the best batting averages in the country. I, did, I don't think he finished in first place. I know Brian Haney and I were keeping close ties on that because the last uh, – I was – if you guys didn't know, I was the voice of KU Baseball last spring, and uh, the final series was against Texas, so we were keeping a close eye on – you know, who had the best batting average. I think Ivan Melendez finished second or third uh, to end the regular season. Speaking of the College World Series, uh, ne- oh, by the way, Ivan Melendez finished 0 for 4 in the final game. Uh, speaking <laughs> of the College World Series, case of the Mondays, all of the remaining seeded teams. So they seed the first 16 teams in the NCAA tournament, and then you don't get a ranking next to your name for 17 through 64. And the reason they do that is basically... Well, there's 16 regionals. Here's the best team, and this is why they're host. And this is why they're hosting a regional because they're the best ranked team in that regional. There were four ranked teams or seeded teams to start off the College World Series. There's now three because Texas lost. So there are three left. In fact, there's an elimination going on, a uh, game going on. That's in the ninth inning between two seeded teams. Number 14 Auburn, number two Stanford. As I'm saying this, top of the ninth, Auburn up six to two, and they're up to bat right now. But Three teams left that are seeded. All the three least favorites to win the College World Series. Yes, the least favorite to win it all. Also, before this Auburn and Stanford game, all the combined seeded teams in the College World Series, one and five. Wow. Bad. The favorites to now win it all, Oklahoma is the current favorite, followed closely by Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Notre Dame. Yeah. Who are you pulling for? The Sooners? I'm going to be rooting for them because I saw them in real life and I knew they were good. I knew they were dang good. I didn't think they'd be College World Series good, but they might win it all. So, yeah. All ranked teams in the College World Series. Have a case of the Mondays. Last, but certainly not least, case of the Mondays. Every home's air conditioning unit within a 200-mile radius. It is hot. It is very hot. I, I, I even saw that uh, I even got an alert earlier saying there was a structure fire in, in Douglas County because somebody's AC went kaput. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it is 95 today. Tomorrow's going to be 97. What's the heat index? Heat index. Oh, man. Uh, that's I have no idea. Well, there's a heat advisory for probably the 20th day in a row here. Oh, heat index is 100. Okay, so Mine says 102. Ooh. Oh, my Lord. This is... This, I, I hate this weather. I hate it's going to rain weather. on Wednesday. Next Sunday is supposed to be 79. Whew. Thank goodness. But a lot of people's ACs are starting to crap out on them. Uh, mine being one of them, my apartment. They're, the AC was not working for about a couple of days. It's working now, as far as I know. I mean, I'm not home right now, so how would I know? But 
Yeah. The final case of the Mondays goes to every home. I'm going to also go with business and possibly car. Their AC unit in a 200-mile radius because it's very, very, very freaking hot outside. That's Case of the Mondays on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. On the other end of this timeout, we'll have more Best of RCST Trivia Marathon for you. That coming up in about five minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is Lane, along with Cole, listening to FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Stand on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Derek Johnson here with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Shout out to everybody back at the studio. I'm away in Germany. But I uh, left a bunch of uh, top tens for you guys to discuss or hear or do whatever you want with. Um, this next one I'm going to get to is top ten moments of doubt during the course of the 2021-22 season for KU. Because, you know, we'd be lying if we said there weren't different moments of doubt. Now, some people are, are ultra optimists and they're able to maintain maybe more. It's not even like a level head. It's just like you know, the glass half full kind of capacity, which more power to you if you're able to do that. Um, but there were obviously moments of doubt during the season for a lot of people, some to lesser degrees than others, right? Like for some, it was like, ah, you know, th they'll probably still be fine. Do I still think they'll, do I think they'll win a title? Probably not, but you know, they're still a really good team. Like why not? Other people were probably, you know, to certain points. And, and I know there were certain points this season, which we'll get into here where I kind of wanted or wondered if the expectation should change from, you know, normally you go into a year with KU and you say, okay, let's make it to the final four and see what can happen. Uh, whereas I started to have questions about at some points this year, which again, I'll get into when those moments occurred. Should we change the expectation to, can you win the big 12 and just make the sweet 16 and anything outside of that is the cherry on top. But with that said, let's get into the list. Number 10. 10th on the list, the loss to Texas tech in Lubbock. If you remember that was preceded by an ugly win at Oklahoma State. And then two of the last three games at home, you had ugly wins over Stephen F. Austin and George Mason. So not only did you lose in Tech, but even your most recent wins were kind of ugly and you were showing different signs of, you know, do we question things like what's going on here? Then you lose in Tech. You don't play very well in Lubbock, even despite them missing two of their best players with Kevin McCuller and, and Terrence Shannon Jr., to where you're, you're kind of like, oh, what's up with that loss? But also, it's a loss in tech to a good team. So not a huge moment of doubt, um, but certainly you could convince yourself there. Number nine. Ninth on the list, the loss to Dayton in the ESPN Events Invitational. It, it's hard to have sweeping conclusions that early in the season, especially with just kind of a weird upset where you controlled most of the game and then just gave up a late run. They hit kind of a weird buzzer beater where it wasn't even like a flush shot. It just kind of hit weird off the rim and win in. Um, but that was definitely a moment of doubt. Less so, I think, for KU as a team. More so because David McCormick was really struggling to that point early in the season. And that was, again, a big struggle game for David McCormick. And it was like, okay, what's going on? We saw this the year prior when he struggled in the non-con, but then was great in Big 12 play. Now, why are we back to that? What's going on here? Um, do we need to make sweeping changes at the center position? I remember me personally was questioning, like, okay, at some point here, like, 
you're going to have to get these other young freshmen like serious um, opportunities to prove that they can do it or to kind of uh, shake the, the rust off or, or, you know, move past some mistakes and just give them playing time. Because if, if this is it, then you're not going to have enough there. But Dave had the last laugh. He, he proved that that was um, ended up being more of the outlier early in the season. And, and he certainly figured it out as the season went on. But that was part of it. And also at that point, Jalen Wilson was just coming back. Uh, you weren't seeing the same guys the year before. He was still kind of struggling through it, whether it was a mental thing, physical thing of getting back from play after missing the first three games. So there were some questions there after the Dayton loss. Number eight. Number eight, Ochag Baji getting checked on after the injury in Norman, or I guess the near injury in Norman. Um, he, like, I forget if he was trying to save a ball or what, but he hits his, like, arm, wrist, hand area on the uh, possession arrow. And it's kind of a, a thin, like, sharp-looking thing where you hit on it and you want to, oh, no, did he just, like, break his wrist? Like, uh, we've seen this before with Yudoka Azabuki missing a couple seasons because of wrist injuries to different wrists. Like, that's the last thing you need, Ochag Baji. And who knows? Like, if he breaks his wrist at that point, I forget if that game was in, like, late January or early February or something, but I don't know. Are you talking about Ochai's done for the season? And at that point... It's hard to say KU would have won the national championship without Ojag Baji, right? So that was a moment of doubt for those, whatever, 5, 10, 15 minutes while he was in the locker room, not coming back. It was like, uh-oh, what's going on here? And if it would have been a serious injury, that would have been a big moment of doubt. Fortunately, that was very short-lived. Number seven. He was awesome after he uh, got going in the second half, too, in that one. Uh, number seven, the Creighton game, just in general, for top 10 moments of doubt. You see a team, like we've all seen this before. KU's playing in the second round, and a team they're playing against just... And and this is maybe even less playing in the second round. KU's playing a team in the NCAA tournament, and the other team is just going bananas from three. And, and, um, you know, you you see it in the second round where KU's had some some past losses there, most notably Northern Iowa with a one seed, and you start to go, oh, no, if they're not missing from three, like, what's going to happen here? So there's just that moment of doubt in that game. There's the moment of doubt when, when... they're down one with the ball, like, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? Are we going to lose this lead? What's going on? But they end up winning, and uh, that was probably closest they were to losing outside of the national title game. Number six. Uh, number six, down six at half to Miami. I, I thought about putting the Creighton one ahead of this um, because I, I think that with the Creighton one, it was based on they're, just, they're not missing from three, and, and that's very scary when you're in a game and a team is playing like that. Um, but the down six at, at half to Miami, it, it's almost like a, I don't know, maybe it wasn't even doubt. It, it was maybe more so like anxiety of like, let's just get to the second half because Miami's playing really well in the first half. And you're starting to have questions. You're starting to have flashbacks to, oh, no, is this going to be the VCU game all over again? Losing to uh, Miami was a, a, a 10 seed, but losing to a double digit seed like VCU was the 11 seed. You start to have those, maybe those thoughts creep in your mind. But KU was a second half team. And they ended up overcoming that. But I guess one of the uh, higher moments of doubt, certainly for this KU season. Number five. And again, like, you you know, no season is perfect. But also, I, I think that, and, and like I said, for optimists, they're probably sitting here rolling their eyes going, well, I didn't doubt any of that. Good for you. I'm just saying. Big chunk of people, these were doubtful moments. Number five is Providence when they were up 48-47 with just under six minutes left and the ball. Providence was going on a run. KU couldn't hit a shot offensively. They had gone kind of ice cold 
And Providence had, had kind of figured things out offensively. Uh, they got stifled in the first half, just 17 points. They started doing the, these like high pick and rolls with um, their their lead guard and um, I forget if it was which of the big men it was, but uh, I want to say Crosley or something had a big second half for him. And they were just either feeding it to the big man off the pick and roll, letting him go to work, or they were getting finishes around the basket. They took the lead, and they have the ball, and it's like, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? That was a, a bit of a moment of doubt, but it got one back. Remy Martin took a big charge. They get the ball back. Jalen Wilson hits an and one, and KU ends up going on to win the game. Number four. Fourth biggest moment of doubt during the season for KU, the 10-point loss at TCU. And honestly, if you just wanted to make this a thing about the final week of the regular season, which is funny looking back because you know, okay, they they went 2-1 and one against two teams that are arguably were top 30 teams in the country. TCU almost beat Arizona in the second round. Texas uh, went to the second round with Purdue. And, okay, you barely beat them and, and you struggled through and you lost to one of them, but, you know, you still got two good wins there. Um, but at the time... You lose by 10 to TCU, and it looked like you were just disinterested playing there. That was a game that was very disappointing because you needed to win all three to win the Big 12 outright, and you just didn't look too interested in that game. Like, that was probably the only time this year where, like, KU got blown out um, by Kentucky, but the TCU game, as opposed to the Kentucky game, was probably the only time this season where they lost and it was also like this just looks lethargic out there like it doesn't look like there's as much energy as you normally see them play with and so that was kind of a we also didn't know how good TCU would would be at the time um so it was clunky the last week it was like what what's going on here are they kind of limp into the finish line the loss at TCU was disappointing for that big 12 reason as well and uh that was kind of a moment where it was like okay maybe this team doesn't have the stuff here um, but certainly that ended up being very wrong. Number three. The Remy Martin, um, I don't know, saga, I guess that, that feels too too, uh, too dramatic to call it a saga. But the whole Remy Martin um, injury and time missed there was a moment of doubt because he was brought in to be that shot maker, shot creator on a team that, you know, they had other guys who could make shots and make plays and make plays in transition and, and do all these things. But they didn't have a guy who could do what Remy was, uh, Remy did. And you saw that in the national title game, like the shake and bake kind of three over Armando Baycott. You know, who else is doing that on this KU team? Or the the tough layup that he he took over Armando Baycott or, or whatever. Like a lot of things that Remy could do, including his run in the NCAA tournament, it proved to be, yeah, KU did end up needing Remy and they did end up needing a good Remy to win the title. When you think about his 20 points against Creighton, 23 against Providence, 14 against North Carolina, including 11 in the second half. And that was a question when maybe things weren't clicking or he was dealing with the injury and, and missing time. It was like, is KU going to be good enough to make a Final Four, win a title without Remy Martin? And, and I think we convinced ourselves both ways, depending on how things were going for KU. I think the answer is, is they did need him, given all those performances that I just mentioned in the NCAA tournament. So that was kind of a moment of doubt. Like, you didn't really know what was going on there. You didn't know if he would be back. We were starting to get to a point because he came back in the road game against Baylor, and that was with, you know, he had that game, and then the next week was the final week of the regular season, and it was like, if he doesn't come back soon, I don't know if they're going to have enough time to even work him back into the rotation where he can make an impact in the NCAA tournament, but came back just in the nick of time, and obviously things worked out okay. Number two. Number two, biggest moment of the doubt, doubt during the season, the 18-point home loss to Kentucky. 
it's funny because I, I would say if it was the biggest moments of, I guess, where you were highest on the team, if you're just going over the course of the regular season, the Baylor game, which was like the next game, or it was the next Saturday, so like a week later, the Baylor game would be probably the highest that you would be on the team over the course of the regular season. Um, but after that Kentucky game, you lose by 18. It wasn't just that you lost by a lot where you're just missing every shot and they're just making every shot. Certainly they were making, like, that was Kentucky's A-plus game. That was probably Kansas's C-plus game or something like that in addition to that. Remy Martin was playing injured. That ended up being his last game for a little bit of time. So that obviously impacted things. You couldn't really chase guys around defensively. Ochag Baji ended up getting diagnosed with COVID. I think it was like later that night or the next day. Um, I don't know if that had some effect on his game, but it's hard to think it didn't because it wasn't the best game for Ochai there. So there's a lot of things that would go into it, but maybe that we didn't know at the time. But it's also that Kentucky, just on an athletic plane, looked like they were on a whole nother level than KU. And for a team that thrived in transition and liked to play kind of up and, and fast, that was a little bit like, uh-oh, that's not great. Um, but again, uh, looking back, it's, it's easy now, I think, to say that, okay, well, Keon Brooks went for like 25 points. Uh, Oscar Shibway hit a couple mid-range shots. Like, those are things that don't normally happen against Kentucky. Remy Martin was playing injured, couldn't really get out there defensively. Ochai was dealing with that stuff. And then on top of that, we just played a bad game and they played a good game. Like, if there's a best of seven series, you know, they're not going to sweep us. Like, we might win four. They might win, you know, four to three, whatever it is. Um, that didn't end up being a, as big of a deal. But I remember after that moment, that was a moment for me where I was I was sitting there going, you know, this can still be a good team. They can still get a one or two seed. They can still win the Big 12. But I think my expectation kind of turns to if they make the Sweet 16, they make the second weekend, everything after that is the cherry on top. And it's not that they can't make the Final Four. They could, but you don't necessarily go into it expecting that. And if they do, it makes it even more fun and even more surprising. And then a week later, they blew up Baylor, and I was back to the, yeah, this team, if, if they play like that, they're a Final Four good team. Uh, but the number one moment of doubt over the course of the season. Number one. Has to be... Down 15 at halftime to North Carolina. I mean, it's... You don't have, like... You, you get blown out by Kentucky. You can at least convince yourself, okay, this is the end of January. It's a non-conference game. We still got, you know, a month and a half before the tournament. Don't have as much time. Uh, you have 20 minutes left when you're down 15 at the half against North Carolina. So just less time to figure it out. I, I think everybody has probably a different moment when they thought, because obviously there were still people who, you know, even down 15 and a half, they're like, all right, we're second half team. Like, let's see what happens, right? But realistically, if you're thinking like, no, I think it's one thing to have the optimism there. It's another thing to be like, no, KU's winning this game when they're down 15, to be like stern about it, right? But then there are moments in that second half, and I, I'd be curious. I'm, I'm sure it's different for, for every fan, right? Like, for some people, maybe it's a Christian Brown layup when it makes it 40-29. to 29, Or for me, it was when Jalen Wilson, KU's down 10. Jalen Wilson takes it on the break, hits the end one, uh, and that makes it 45-37. I think 45-38 after the made free throw there for Jalen. That was the play for me where I was like, oh, I think they're, they're going to win this game, right? And for different people, like I said, it could be a different moment. But it, specifically when you're at halftime. You know, Ochag Baji hits the two to make it a 13-point game before half. And you're going, okay, they cut it to 13. Maybe they got a little bit of momentum because they hit a shot right before half. They get the last two. And then North Carolina goes down, and you're like, okay, if they can make a stop, like, you know, like I said, you, you have the momentum there coming into halftime, even though it's just a, a, a short spurt of momentum. North Carolina misses the shot. You're like, okay, great. The 
Puff Johnson grabs the rebound, puts it back in. And that was kind of the issue of the first half is KU got worked on the glass. North Carolina got so many offensive rebounds. And it was like, oh, that's a, that's a perfect indication of how this is going. Like, things aren't going their way. This doesn't feel great. So at halftime, that had to be the biggest moment of doubt. Like I said, you had less time to figure it out, but they certainly did. And, and that's what makes this team so special. If we went back to the 07-08 team, I'm sure you could pluck out different moments of doubt, so to speak. But it'd be a lot harder, and you'd have to be a lot more, um, I guess, kind of nitpicky with what a moment of doubt is. Because that team was, you know, they're never number one, but that's just because of how loaded the season was. They were number two, number three, number four, like all season long. This team, you can point to all those moments, and they still came together. They still won a title. It was an absolutely special season for KU, and, and props to all those players for, um, you know, overcoming a lot of, of those doubt and, and those moments that made you think maybe this wasn't going to be in the cards for KU, but it ended up in the very end in a very special way. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. That is a uh, another top 10 list.